Episode 56, I'm talking to Micaiah Ravel. This is part two, and we're going to get into that very shortly. But first, obviously, how you doing? How's it going? How's life treating you? Have you been taking the time to enjoy life? A lot of people uh, appreciated the real... I had a, a posted earlier this week about, you know, just not getting swept away with the, uh, the everyday grind, the hustle and bustle, uh, you know, breaking your back for a job that you're not happy doing um and that's no shade sometimes you got to do what you got to do look i've done it so uh i got a lot of feedback from that and i'm grateful uh, a lot of people shared that and I'm, I'm extremely grateful that just shows me you know uh that the people that are following me and following this podcast resonate with the message that i'm sharing which is, you know, loving yourself and taking care of yourself so you can take care of your family uh, and that you've only got one life to live. So live it the best way you can. Uh, and, you know, you got to do what you got to do at times, but don't lose sight of yourself. Don't lose yourself. So um, that's what I've been doing, especially this past week for myself. I've, I've been working really hard. It was a pretty big, busy week. Um, my daughter's baptism's coming up this weekend, finally. Um and so I'm looking forward to that. My, you know, my wife and I are, are getting back into the swing of things. We're going back to church. It's been a long time for me. My, my wife is a lot better at it than I am. I, I, I'm horrible. Um, you know, growing up Catholic, Puerto Rican to boot, you know, it was, it was really strict. So there's a lot of things that I'd, I'm looking forward to, to kind of reconnect some things that, that are missing in my life. Um, and so anyway, I hope that that you're having moments of uh, reconciliation and reconnection, um, finding yourself uh, having having good times with loved ones and friends. And damn, you're here right now watching the Journeyman Chronicles. So life has to be good, right? Especially if you got time to watch me. Uh, the video content is something I'm, I'm getting used to. It's a little different for me. I'm, I'm used to just, you know, putting on headphones and, talking into a mic, not really worried about, you know, what the background looks like or what I'm wearing or, or if I look presentable. And and I don't mean that in a vain way. I mean, obviously, right? I, I need to look presentable. Nobody wants to look at a schmuck. Uh, so uh, it's a little different for me, but I'm enjoying it. And I hope you are too, because this is the next level of the Journeyman Chronicles. It's not only listening, but let's see who we're talking to. And let's, let's see if we can connect on an even more deeper level uh, now that we can put a face to the name if you know what i'm saying so without any further ado let's circle back around and get right back into who i was talking about this episode 56 we're talking to micaiah ravel this is the second interview i had with micaiah uh episode 16 was my first that was a zoom interview and uh it was a great conversation but you know with zoom interviews 
know, and I mean, I don't know, web interviews, call them whatever you want, whatever platform you're using. It's just not the same. And sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And that's what happened a year ago, considering the COVID, you know, scare again, rising and, and all that. And we were just um, my wife and I not really comfortable with bringing people into our home. And so I conducted, I think, like the next four or five interviews at that time straight on Zoom. Um, and I I always told myself, I said, you know, this conversation with Micaiah was so good hearing his journey um, escaping uh, genocide um, from the Dominican Republic of Congo. This was an accidental thing on his part. It wasn't like he was he was trying to escape um, the his home. He he genuinely was escaping uh, at the moment and hiding in a cargo ship, only to wake up, you know, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, so listen, I encourage you to, to to travel back in time, if you will, and listen to episode sixteen. And get to know that journey, um, what he's doing now, his businesses and his journey while he was here in the States for the past 20 some years uh, fighting for amnesty um, and it it being a challenge. Just recently, Makaya was granted amnesty here in the United States after 20 some years. So that was a pretty big deal for him. Um, you know, considering the fact that he's got this foundation for orphans uh, from from the war in Congo, he, he's working uh, with um, refugees and he's he's of he's of service and to do all this, but still have your own problems that you're dealing with, with your with your own uh, you know citizenship, if you will, in the United States to be at any time really deported. Um is is amazing that he was still able to maintain focus and still do what he was doing. And so when I saw him granted amnesty and it was this, you know, awesome celebration he was sharing online, I was like, man, right now is a perfect opportunity to get him in house and catch up with Micaiah. So that's what we did. That's what this interview is. We actually, for the second time, have met each other. The first time we officially met my wife and I, Alexandra, we took our two little girls to uh, his house where he and his mom, Dr. Elizabeth Ravel, live. And they've got llamas and alpacas and sheep. And it's this fundraising event every summer they do uh, to raise money. And uh, he invited us and we went. Um, and so that's when that's when I met Micaiah. Really awesome guy. Um, uh, but nonetheless, um, he sat down. We talked for about an hour and a half in this conversation um, it, it, it's a little bit more in depth now. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, the 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 celebration of finally being granted amnesty. But he also talks about the experience he had in the detention center here in, in the states as a young boy, as a sixteen year old boy, and what he experienced and why he's so passionate to fight for um, the refugees that are seeking amnesty. Um, and so, without any further ado, let's get right into it. Um, Makai Ravel stopped by my home. Uh, let's see. This is the day before St. Patty's Day. I'm recording this. I want to say like maybe like five weeks ago. Um, real cool cat. Humorous. There's a lot of funny stories in this interview as well. We get to hear about his uh, relationship, his wonderful relationship with his, his mother, Dr. Elizabeth Ravel. And, um, and what he plans on doing now that he has... 
uh, the amnesty journey behind him, so to speak. He's still very much focused. And we talk a lot about the 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 conditioning that he's experienced uh, because of the detention center um, trauma in his life, how he's conditioned to think and, and feel. And there's some things he's trying to change. Um, so listen, let's get right into it. Um, episode 56. This is Micaiah Ravel part two. So um, thank you for for entertaining the idea and coming by. Um, this is our second time meeting. I was able to see you and your mom at your beautiful home in york uh during the summer i brought my family by yeah uh and you've got a beautiful home a lot of land you've got uh, uh forgive me they're llamas or they're they not llamas yeah llamas alpacas alpacas yeah and, and, and sheep there's so much stuff going on there you do that yeah. every single summer yeah every year for uh 20 years wow I think 22 years wow yeah it's yeah it has been a community event that we trying to entertain, you know, give back to the community. Gotcha. You know, get people together, have a good time. Whose idea, whose idea was that to start doing um, that? It was my uh, parents' ideas uh, back in 1992, I think. Okay. Um, the fun thing about it is that the first time they had it, but there seven people came. Only seven people came Only the first seven time. seven people first time. <laughs> God bless those seven people. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So the idea of a ship sharing, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. So a lot of people didn't pay attention to it, you know, until, you know, I came. Gotcha. In, in the picture, I and, gotcha. Uh, you know, my African friends start coming, my uh, you know, colleagues, mm -hmm. you know, classmates. Yeah. And after twenty-two years of doing that, and uh, for we emerge to over 200 people coming wow every year now and so, you said your, uh, your african friends uh, i'm assuming they're coming from overseas that's fair to say are, are there any uh, are there people traveling far and wide to come to this event are they all local or um mostly uh uh interstates okay uh, okay where they're coming from a different uh, states but the african friends who are already living here gotcha. in the US, okay you know, a lot of uh, migrants um uh, refugees, asylum seekers. So every summer, that kind of events where they, fight, they feel like, hey, hey you know, yeah. it, it is a chance to talk to the people. Absolutely. You know, but to, you know, interact with the other, you know, people from uh, different cultures. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, mostly those who are already living here. Yeah. But this year, we this will be the first year we will have a people actually come from uh, Congo. Oh, this coming summer? Yeah, this summer, yes. Got you. So three members of the Mary Mamakaya Foundation are coming from Kinshasa to attend the ship sharing event. And this is the first time. This is the first time. How did that how did that come about? Was that something you Yeah, started? you know, I just decided that, you know, because what we use that as a part of a fundraising as well. Yeah. Uh sometimes it is better for the donors to meet people from uh, the region because oftentimes I'm talking about it, I'm writing about it, you know, I have lived here for 20 years. So I just decided that, uh, and uh, not just me and with, with the borders, yeah. Uh, but we just decided that uh, maybe it would be nicer 
to bring people from uh, uh, the field, from uh, the region, to tell the story kind of uh, practically gotcha. what's really going on in the Congo and the work they're doing in the Congo. That's a, lot, that's a good point. I mean, I um, my hat off to you for... There's so much. Obviously, we've already gotten into it in the first interview, but considering everything, how you're you're consistently trying to reinvent the wheel when it comes to how can we incorporate what we're talking about over here, because it's hard for people to understand when they're not there. And, yes. and you've got people that are supportive and involved, mm -hmm. but to bring uh, family and friends and uh, people that are part of the uh, foundation over mm. uh, and they're going to uh, share stories and and then obviously also get to see what you got going on over here as well yes. yeah so that's cool yeah it's almost like a putting a face into right in, into story you know people need to see that that we are you know truthful authentic and kind of active and practical so it's very important to us for people to see our people who are doing the work over there yeah. to be here yeah yeah but you know i do want to acknowledge that you know the passing of uh, your father really kind of you know it really you know it made me sad oh thank you you know it really made me sad because uh, as you know i recently lost my father as well so it really made me sad so i am deeply sorry for oh. your loss Thank you, thank you. I I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I I was aware that your father passed. I I, I didn't know when. Yeah, it was a, a few years ago. Okay. Yeah. Um. Thank you. It was it was um unexpected. Mm. Um, and I I had planned on taking a break after Christmas, and then when that happened, I had to take a longer break, obviously. But I I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I uh, doing this right now feels good. It took me a while to you know kind of wrap my my mind around some things but having this conversation and getting back into the swing of things it's not easy but it's necessary to kind of we have to we have to move on because life doesn't stop yes um and you know this all too well you, yourself yeah um so thank you yeah. um when i started this conversation one of the things i mentioned obviously was the the idea of, of reaching back out to you uh, share with me what 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 we what i saw what you shared um, because the idea of Makaya Ravel doing all the work that he's doing uh, with the foundation that's named after your mother, uh, mm. with the work that you're doing with the peace promising cons consulting. Yeah, peace promise consulting. Um, yeah. One can easily forget that you also at the same time for a very long time, mm. were dealing with your own um, yeah. situation here in the States in regards to, uh, where you're from and, and whether they were going to accept you and keep you. Can, can you break that down for someone that doesn't really understand it? Yeah. Because um, you just celebrated that they finally. Yes. Uh, but the, the asylum uh, being granted that yes. after 20 years of living in the United States. So I think uh, um, a lot of people do understand the U.S. immigration system. Uh, I call it system because, you know, it's operating in a very strange way. Okay. Uh, oftentimes, when you hear politicians will tell us that the immigration system is broken, you know, but we need to fix immigration system because it's broken. Yeah. In my experience, I don't think immigration system is broken um, because 
practically we know that people are coming and go 24-7 in the United States. So the system uh, practically is not broken. What's broken, it is uh, the people's souls. Mm. The, the ones who are in charge of uh, making a day, day by day decisions. And the problem I, you know, um, notice after 20 years of fighting my own immigration uh, system um, is that they are not telling us the truth about what's going on in the immigration system. For example, I came, I mean, I was brought to the United States at the age of 16, fleeing violence in the Congo, um, you know, fleeing ethnic cleansing, mm-hmm. um, a civil war that ultimately uh, affected my parents mm-hmm. uh, and my, my family. My, my father was killed. My youngest brother was killed. But he was eight years old when he was shot. So making a long story short, I was brought here in the United States at the age of 16, asking asylum as a refugee Yeah, uh, with uh, no families, no friends. So I came here as a, an accompany minor. Okay. Um, put in the system. I was in detention center. Uh, at the Box County in Pennsylvania. The problem we faced at that time, this is in 2002, was we were, we noticed that a lot of uh, stuff, this is, uh, you know, you know, with the ICE agents, the immigration staff were watching us there. They were responsible for us. They were psychologically abusing us. Um, lack of a respect, lack of a dignity, uh, uh, you know the way they spoke to you the, and the way, the they, way they spoke to you sure. but they but they treat you like but you have no no value and you know it's almost like a, you are a burden mm. to them so um i became uh, very angry um depressed uh easily agitated um uh, sleep deprived because every fifteen minutes, every night, but they have, to, but they come with the flashlight, putting in your face, making sure that you know, and put the light is off yeah. in, in your room with the you know one bank after the other, but they will come in af- uh, every fifteen minutes to flash up your every your, fifteen your, minutes? every fifteen minutes, so wow, you know, uh, sleeping become like a sure you know problematic. So um, I, I called my mom back uh, in the Congo because when they went after my family, my uh, mother, biological mom, and other brothers, but they fled the town. So after almost two months, I was able to uh, interact with uh, my mom gotcha. uh, by phone. My lawyer kind of made it happen. So I was complaining with uh, with, uh, with everything was happening in this in this place detention center, and my mom said to ask my social worker to give me the U.S. Constitution. So I was kind of surprised, like why do I want the U.S. Constitution? But after I read the Constitution and I went to hunger strike, and it kind of uh, you know. You went to a, you you went you did a hunger strike. I did a yeah hunger strike, uh, for 
three days, I guess. Oh, wow. And, but they have to be in the hospital, the, sure. that kind of stuff, because uh, I was weak and sick. Um, so the United States Constitution was so, you know, kind of mesmerizing in a way, it kind of, you know, open up, kind of, you know, stimulated my imagination by knowing that, oh, this place is operating outside of the boundaries of the United States Constitution. So everything that they're doing here, everything that we are, are kind of witnessing here, it's, it's illegal. Wow. So, and then I start protesting uh, internally. Yeah. Uh, refusing to do dishes, refusing to follow order. And the Amnesty International uh, came and they did an investigation, but they interviewed me. And uh, through the activism, uh, by that time, uh, 2003, four, uh, President Bush heard about the abuse that was happening in uh, all and accompanied money detention around the country. So the place was closed. And uh, uh, kids like me at the age of 16, 17, uh, uh, we were sent to force care system around the country. In my case, I was sent to Philadelphia. So this was, this entire, the timeline was about two years of that? Yes. Wow. It's about two years, yeah. Okay, and they sent yeah. you to Philadelphia. Uh, one of the things I'm recalling from our first conversation and, and listening to you talk was, um, and, and I kind of already kind of broke this down already, was um, the um, the amount of uh, mental trauma that uh, a refugee, uh, and at the time you experienced this, the, the mental trauma that refugees are experiencing at the hands of, people in these uh particular situations who are acting like you said outside of the the you, scope of the what sc- they're supposed yeah. to be doing yeah um that was obviously something that had been taking place way before you got there as well way before sure way before and what really kind of energized those kind of abuses abuses where um um when uh, 9-11 happened because what we're talking about, you know, 2002, a year before that, in 2001, September 11 happened. So the condition of uh, the immigrants, uh, refugees who were living here in the United States really kind of deteriorated, um, especially those who were coming from the Middle East because if you look different, but you speak different, sure. where you are automatically assume terrorists in some cases. So, you know, uh, but these people are coming to work, the immigration agents, the ICE agents, they're bringing their internal biases into into job. Right. And but they create a kind of a herd mentality among each other, and uh, but they were turning the backs you know, from the abuses that was happening. So, so you, it I'm became sorry, the way, you know, but they were doing the businesses. Was this something that you were, uh, um, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, that as much as you were acknowledging what was going on at the time, mm. you were also young, you were 16. 16, yeah. So from 16 to 18, you're experiencing this. As the years have gone by and 
you began doing your your work have you been do you reflect back and start realizing what you didn't notice at that time because as children you don't you can see only so much but as you become an adult you start to learn more and educate yourself more and as you have have you ever have you ever has a light bulb gone off and been like mm. holy hell they were they were doing this that and the third at that time like i would imagine that's what i would be doing is yeah connecting the dots as the years go by connecting the dots is always uh in my mind uh kind of uh um direct trauma yeah and indirect trauma so um looking back i keep uh, playing my head like you know but they'll have you take a three minute hot shower and every night i'm banging my head against the wall wow because i'm so agitated like i want to get on this place yeah so i was a different person back then yeah you know because what's going on in my mind i'm thinking about the country i left behind the family i left behind friends community and i'm here alone in the middle of nowhere not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow it's fair to say that for that time you never really truly wrapped your head around what was no, going on no no and it seemed like everything were moving so fast sure you know and you but you hear negative thoughts negative voices coming out of you you know like in a daily basis either somebody's yelling at you either somebody's correcting you in a loud voice like you you're not standing up right you're not eating right you know but you're taking too long in the bathroom they're banging the doors wow so it was like a harsh stone fire yeah and I've, i mean it was they were purposely agitating everyone there it wasn't Absolutely. it wasn't so much like they were noticing things they just were they were making a mountain out of an anthill every yes, single time. Yes, you know, but they made our lives miserable for for coming, you know, um, into in the United States because they didn't understand, uh, you know, the value or the purpose of uh, refugee seekers, you know, asylum seekers, you know. I mean, people have a right to flee conflict. Yeah. Uh, asylum seekers is uh, the idea that internationally agree upon. You know, those who are seeking asylum have a right. The Geneva Convention, 1951, talks about that. So we were we were protected, supposedly protected, but we were. And uh, the idea went on, and it's now in the end, uh, back in 2002. It went on until today. It is happening still. Gotcha. There, there are people in detention center being abused, and you know, as you know, uh, child separation was, uh, you know, one of the worst human rights abuse, you know, of our time. Caging the children, and few end up dying in a cage. So all this, it's not the U.S. policy. It is not the United States immigration policy that children have to die in a cage. It, it's not. It is the idea people in the power, you know, but we talked about people with the, you know, people the soul are so, so negative. Yeah. And it kind of a project 
to the innocent children who are coming to nurses to seek uh, for to seek for asylum. And when you mentioned the herd mentality, uh, that really that makes things worse because then those that are con- uh, inflicting this pain with this negative thought with the herd mentality, it, it doubles down and make it makes things even more impossible to feel and think that we can get through this. Were you ever at some point for those two years like this is? This is it for me. I'm not. I'm not leaving this place. I'm. I, I, take me away. Like I, I. I couldn't imagine the thoughts that were going through your mind at that time. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm sure they were dark. Absolutely. Um. Um. I knew one day the place we now we no longer existed. Oh, you did. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um. Uh, back in my mind, I knew because uh, a lot of my friends were cutting themselves uh, quietly. Um, and, uh, you know, the kind of, uh, kind of, it's almost like a spirit. Like, yeah. I kind of, I had, I had a feeling that this place cannot be sustainable. It cannot sustain its practices in the future. Gotcha. You just had this feeling that yeah, I had that feeling yeah, because um, if you get into trouble with the staff, a lot of kids were being deported. Okay, yeah, and the the majority of uh, the, the the kids who got the, the deported were Africans. Okay, so you know, when you're dealing with the hostile environment with the people's you know biases, personal biases. And also prepared to deal with the racism as well. Yeah. On top of everything. Yeah. So the countries where you came from matters in some level. Yeah. That's very interesting. Um, the, um, w- w- let's let's talk about Dr. Elizabeth Revel, your mother. Yeah. Because you met her. Uh, was she your psychiatrist or was she your therapist um, in regards? Or, or? Yeah, psychologist. Psychologist, forgive me. Yeah. Um, she was your psychologist. This is how you met her. Was the healing process of learning how to unlearn mm. and, and remove the negative, the trauma, mm. was was she a part of initiating that process for you? Or Yes. Um, you know, when you experience years of a trauma, um healing takes time uh for some people it can take a lifetime you know you perhaps will never completely heal because in my case you know food traumatizes me okay uh the weather traumatizes me um when you say food what do you mean um food does meat okay you know, certain meats trigger you, or yeah, meats. Um, uh, be because I grew up like a semi, um, uh, vegetarian, okay, be because but the only thing we were able to eat as a kid were fish, okay, I got so you. So when I came to the detention center, oh. they, you know, so you have uh, no options. Wow. You know, okay. You cannot say, "Hey, this is what I like, and this is who I am," because they didn't care. So that okay. So that's a trigger from that experience of that, them forcing, and that's a trigger for the uh, experience. You know, but because of that, 
I became a vegan. It has been almost 15 years since I became a vegan. And that was because of your understanding of, of Be, this trigger? Because of trigger, you know, for meat. Wow. Yeah. And the weather, you said, how, how was Weather, that? you know, summer, uh, it reminded me of home. Okay, that makes sense. It reminded me of my childhood because I had a decent childhood growing yeah. up in the Congo, both parents working for government, you know, so we were good growing up. And uh, uh, in in Congo, we have a six months of summer. I mean, wow. even when you have a, the dry season, sure? you know, this kind of cold season, we call it dry season. The sun is still out. It's still good outside. So I can't so, imagine it's that it's cold though, is it? Or no? It's kind of yeah, chilly a little bit. Okay, you know, but you pull 60, you put the 60, 65. I mean, when I came here. I was freezing in New Orleans at uh, 55 degree. I'm freezing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a culture shock. Yeah. So, uh, so that that's a trigger for you. Then the weather, um, as soon as it, I, I, I'm assuming then the summer is bittersweet for you, where you're enjoying it, but you're also reflective. It was reflective. Yes. So you know, summer is trigger. So. What Dr. Elizabeth Revelle did to me, I mean, by that time when I left uh, Brooks County, I went to Forest Home in Philadelphia, two different Forest Home in Philadelphia, and I aged out in the Forest Coast system, and I came to uh, York, living in a group home. Soon after that, my biological mom died in the Congo from a natural uh kind of natural cause. Okay. Uh, but we think it was a heart disease. Okay. Um, so everything came back again. Gotcha. Uh, by the sense that I'll never see my father again, I never see my mother again, my brother. So I was doing extremely bad. Okay. Uh, psychologically speaking. Yeah. Um, I went to serious depression. I was a bit suicidal. So the... The lady who was working at, um, at the group home, um, she, but she passed away. But she was very, very kind to everyone. Uh, but her name was Elian. Uh, she noticed my behavior. Kind of, I quit going to school, and she didn't like that how I was acting. So, she contacted Doctor Rivel. Gotcha. Uh, because by that time, Doctor Rivel uh, was already giving a pro bono uh, psychotherapist for um, the immigrants, the refugees who were involved in this uh, program. So I became a patient. Um, one thing, uh, but she kind of focused on me where, like, I'm safe. Um, other people who love me. Other people who care for me. And... That was important, kind of showing me that I might lose everybody there, but I can have a family here. I can have a new family. Gotcha. You know, but to get me gone, kind of a, you know, life moving on, and I have to be part of a life. Uh, that's when she asked me to be courageous. And the fun thing was I asked her, what, what courage means at that time? Um she said that courage means showing up to your life no matter what mm. is going on. 
you know you have to be present you yeah. have to show up for yourself yeah you know living breathing every day is also definition of courage yeah that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. And I've always, I've heard that statement before. You have to show up. You have to show up. That goes for everything in life. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I love, uh, sometimes you post these little stories and they always start with <laughs> life with mom. Life with mom. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always like this, it's always like a, a cute. A uh, little window into your relationship. Is, yes. is that how it is every day with 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 your mom? Um, yes. Oh, humor and some. some yeah. Oh yes. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know. Keep in mind that both my uh, um, adaptive parents, um, you know, but they both are uh, psychologists. My father was a psychologist as well. Okay. So having a conversation with them every day, it's like a, I'm in a session. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a, like a, hey, can we have a normal conversation? Stop. <laughs> Just talk to me like a normal person. <laughs> so, um, life with mom is inspired by, uh, you know, even our conversation, you know, when you play back, you're like, ah, oh, did I really say that? <laughs> did she really say that? And then we start laughing about it. For example, you know, she will. Um, ask me, hey, um, did you clean your closet? I'm like, um, I don't know. Should I clean my closet? It's like, okay, let me go check. And then she go check my closet. And then she said to me, hey, organization is not your strong suit. Oh, long suit. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't even have a long suit. <laughs> so she's like, no. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. meant that you were messy. So yeah. I'm like, okay. You know, she says something like, hey, Makaya, you know, on top of your head, do you know where my phone is? And then I touch my head. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so those kind of conversation kind of, uh, you know, misunderstood because yeah. I'm still learning English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you. you know, cultural differences. And a lot of misinterpretation turn into life with mom stories. Yeah. They're all authentic. They're all real. They're all th and that's what I love. <laughs> it's always, uh, uh, I remember reading the first one and immediately like realizing the, the, the humor in here, but it's, it's a, it's a learning experience that you're both having with one another about one another. Yes. Which yes. is cool because you're allowing people to see something that's, uh, away from what you're usually doing, yes. it's, it's nice to kind of present a different perspective. Different on perspective, your life. and I love that. But you say learning, um, that that's kind of a hidden message is uh, educational, you know. But we're teaching uh, how relationship can be kind of. You can disagree with somebody without being uh, angry or creating a provoking a resentment toward one another. You know, because a lot of a lot of life with the mama also is embedded in disagreement. Okay, I got you. It's a healthy you know, disagreement, though. It's a healthy disagreement. Uh, it's a it's a conflict. You know, um, you know, but the beauty, you know, you know, kind of, you know, section about conflict is that even though you have a conflict with somebody, you always have to know who that person is. Yes. Yes, you know, that's so, an, that's important. Yes, I, I feel 
always have to Especially know. Especially when it's with somebody that you know very well. With and somebody you love very you well. Can, you have to know yeah. who they are. You have to know who they are. Yeah. You know, um, but we call it like, you know, a mom call it like carrying your hurt lightly. Okay. I love that. Yeah. So there's a lot of things. Uh, you're... I'm really glad that we're having this conversation because mm. I love digging deeper into the things that I wish you could have talked about the first time around. Yes. And, and this relationship with your mom, you hinted, uh, both of your parents, their psychologists, uh, that experience, uh, 16 years old, you're coming from the Congo, mm. obviously unexpected, uh, Oof. that your world is turned upside down. Mm. You're learning and being presented with a, a whole different life that's, oh man, so many different levels of education. Mm. Um, do you ever take a minute to step back and, and realize how phenomenal that is? Even, even mm. the hurt and the pain, but the, the joy, um, like you said, even you were told that even though you weren't able to be with your family in the Congo, you could still have something here. Yes. That, that ability to recognize that. And yes. Accept it. There's so much that yeah. you've absorbed. Yes. Yes. And uh, one thing I'm grateful about this country, uh, where the U.S., where the U.S. have created greatness. Mm. You know, when somebody say, oh, America's the greatest country in the world. No, it's, it's it's the American people hmm. are great. You know, for the idea, my parents taking a risk on on the unknown. Yeah. And paying for my colleges, you know, paying for my healthcare, paying for my well-being. It was, you know, and still one of the greatest gifts I received in this country. And because the America, you know, American people, you know, this society are creating a people like my parents, people like you, uh, but who will spend your own resource, mm -hmm. you know, but to allow people to tell their stories, but to give people a voice. It is a very important. Um, I learned from my parents, um, and like you said, it has, you know, educational my whole life it has been school. Yeah. Um, this started in the Congo. The first time I went to school, I was a five-year-old, and my mom took off work and invited all her friends, and they all took me to school. And I stayed in school for three hours. They were outside waiting for me for that three hours. They took me home, and they had a barbecue. So <laughs> that day... I fell in love with the school from that day. Okay, wow. So you, yeah. you, okay. So that's interesting. That yeah. So you are a you thrive on edu you thrived on yes. education from a young age. Absolutely, absolutely. I love the idea of learning because learning is endless. Yeah. You know, a true education. You're always a student, as they say. There's always students. You know, through the educational system. So I had a strong background when cover you know uh early childhood education nice. my my early childhood education you know was strong because i went to good school so when i came to the united states not speaking english uh, um but with the help of my parents you know tutoring teaching i graduated as a valedictorian in my class 
Nice. You know, I couldn't speak English well, but I understood the material I was learning, you know, and I performed well. Yeah. So, um, it just, you know, it's, uh, like I said, it's endless. You, you live in America, you keep learning. You keep learning about people, the culture, the society, how to interact with the people. But you're learning about the food, you know, but what's a good thing for you, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and the same about the boundary, you know, for the people's ideas. So it is exciting. Yeah. It, it is exciting. I mean, um, teaching people about my country, my culture. Uh, yeah. So... You I mean, know. I can speak for that. I've I've learned so much just through you oh. and meeting you and, and hearing your story, but then taking the time to research things and look it up. And yes, I was I was innocently unaware of what was going on oh. in the Congo yes. until I sat and really dove in and was like, holy hell. Like it, And that's the thing is that you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. So to take exactly. the time. Yeah. And and. You, uh, education in all different forms, whether it's academic or life, or yeah. it's it's all worth it if you take the time to acknowledge it. And that's that's really what I get from you is mm-hmm. that you've taken the time to acknowledge yes the the situation for what it was. It's not like you're just letting days go by and not really acknowledging mm-hmm. it. Yes, I mean, you know, as a People in a family, you know, but you wanna, you know, leave a mark that yeah. you try. Yeah, you know, you try, and giving up is an option. You know, um, I mean, I'm sure that for your children are in good hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but you have uh, spoken to many, many people, but you have heard a lot, a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, those kind of stories where you can share with your children, you know, but show them right. how, you know, um, some culture are operating, you know, so when they grow up, you know, they won't be strangers in this world. Yeah. Because a lot of people are living as a guest, as a strangers. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. that's that's the, um, some people are existing and not living. Exactly That's right. always how I've kind of looked at it where I, and I tell my kids that so don't you know don't yeah don't stay stagnant in this life yeah. and don't just exist yeah like be a part of it you have to somehow. be part of it yeah um yeah when we talk about the and forgive me I'm trying to the, the name of the foundation is the Mary Mambu Makaya Foundation or did yes. I say that wrong yeah you got it I got yeah. it right um and we were just briefly talking about this as as you got here and um it's the venture of running a business Mm. um you've got the foundation that's obviously the gears have been moving on that for over 10 years over 10 years yeah the second business that we were discussing the peace forgive me go ahead and say yeah peace promise consulting share with me because i i i was we talked about this also for a little bit the first time mm. and i've been following you and i've been trying to gauge exactly what it is that you're doing with this what's the company about and what what what's the service that you're providing through it yeah um peace promise consulting was created uh, 2 years ago uh, uh we still in covid 19 pandemic gotcha you know um um uh, 
disaster. Yeah. Um, we saw how people change. Um, Peace Promise Consulting came about to help companies, um, institutions, schools, and the families. The goal is to create a peaceful environment in these institutions. Okay. Um, one thing for we learned that the the, the United States um, companies are losing over three billion dollars uh, a year just to push conflict away. Okay. You know, kind of to pay off uh, conflict, but they're ignoring to deal with the situation hand to hand. So the results of a workplace conflict, it is always leading into violence. You yeah. know, but we've seen a lot of shootings going on and people losing uh, the jobs and um, bullying and hazing a workplace ultimately are turning into domestic violence. So but the source is coming from a work because somebody being a bully at a workplace by boss, for example, gotcha. uh, nothing they can do. And when they go home and they bully uh, the wives, the children, and the people in the household. So peace promises coming in to mediate gotcha. conflicts, but to teach peaceful way to resolve a workplace conflict. And also we do the uh, in-service with the schools. Uh, uh, our focus has been uh, for the teacher teaching the teachers how to deal with the refugee uh, students who are already traumatized. Okay. Because well, we noticed that even the classroom can be a dramatic environment for those who fling violence. Yeah. You know, but the way you talk to them, uh, you know, say a security guard with a uniform, if it can be seen as a threat. Gotcha. You know, if you're coming from a war zone, and the fleeing violence, but you know the people with the uniform are always the bad guys gotcha. in your mind. So when you come to school, you can be easily traumatized. And this kind of affecting the, the learning process. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, you know, so many things these uh, people are dealing with, you know, language barrier and, you know, uh, kind of cultural shock. So... A lot of refugee students end up when not doing well in school. So, but they're being, you know, painted as a, you know, trouble students. Sure. Uh, usually bad students, yeah. B- bad students mm-hmm. and put in a special classes. Yeah. I mean, when uh, you in the special classes, you're not getting a full blessing of education. It's almost like for you being a watch, for you being a babysit instead of uh, taught. Right. And you're not gaining the full experience that a, a I guess a traditional student, a would traditional be students or native students sure. are getting. So peace promise, but we come in and work with the teachers, even uh, you know. But we also do public speaking, um, you know, speaking about how to you know handle up with a situation that the refugee students are facing around the country or around wow. the classrooms. So this is really cool because. When we were talking about, um, obviously, you're addressing um, toxic environments in the workplace. That that's a, that's one that's one thing where mm. let's discuss what's going on and let's shine a light on it. But you're also helping 
employers or teachers find the human element in the situation mm. and addressing it rather than just pushing it to the side, yes, paying people off and mm. not addressing not addressing the, the situation core situation yes, and in our team we have a uh, uh, few retired teachers are working with us, we also have a business you know personnel working with us also on psychologists because but we also are aware of a mental health crisis that's happening yeah. you know in a country you know but you find you find that both teachers and the students are a victim of a mental health so how do you deal with that wow okay yeah you know, so and uh, you know drug abuse you know so um covid-19 pandemic kind of left us with the you know invisible war or what we're fighting with the either it's a personal or in a family or an institution. Gotcha. Well, yeah. you, this started, this venture started as the pandemic kicked off? Um, it started in the middle of the pandemic. Oh, in the middle of the pandemic. Like gotcha. two years ago. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. we were, but we saw how society changed. Oh, so it was because yeah. of the pandemic. Because that, of the oh, pandemic. okay. Got you now. Yeah. Who, who, whose idea was this? Was this yours? Was yes, this, it was my okay, idea. Okay, because this is yeah. that—that's a lot of. I never really thought of that element, and and rightfully, I mean, I'll, innocently, I'll, and I'll admit, yeah. I've been on the other end where it's like, mm. you know, the boss doesn't understand. They're mm. all they think about are the numbers. Yeah. We're just the number. Where uh -huh. and so you have this. Um, and that may have be a herd mentality in my own right, where I, mm. you know, you get the coworkers on your side, and 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 I'm dealing with this, but they don't care about that, mm. or they're just going to give me the HR. They're going to handle it the best way they can through HR, mm. but there isn't really a genuine concern. Mm. And so, what you're saying is, you acknowledge that. Mm. And you're trying to help employers actually look at, like I mentioned, the human aspect. Do you ever, mm. is that is that difficult for you to communicate that message to higher ups, to big wigs, to people that are running businesses? Because mm. they're thinking of business. Is mm. it is it, do you find it easier or harder to discuss the human element of uh, confronting confrontation mm. in a healthy way? Yeah. Or is it harder? For yeah. You? I mean, you know, but the easy answer for that is that, but we always tell uh, uh, people, um, when you're going to workplace, when you have a job, um, um, I'm sure in most work where you sign a contract, um, uh, when they hire you, um as soon as you are in a work ground, in a workplace, where you become an ambassador of the company. Sure. And all the personal biases where you might have about the company, where you know where to address that. But what seems to happen uh, oftentimes that as a human being, we are our own best advocate. And some sometimes our mind trick us by by giving us a you know kind of a positive sentiment like yeah. but you feel like oh you know maybe something's not going right with me but the way they're talking to me 
But but we tell people when you see something's not going well, you know where to speak. Speak in the management or talk to the boss. Mm. Talk to somebody who you have a beef with or who's not understanding you. We but we are aware that there are some bosses love to carry with the badge on the shoulders. Sure. Yeah. You know, there are people with that, but we know that. But if you look very carefully in those people behaving that way, you will find the suffering. Ah. So that, that's the thing is I, I applaud you for, because I could never really put myself in a position, and, and I'm admitting that, I couldn't yeah. put myself in a position to really care if a boss mm. is suffering. But what yes. you're saying is there's a reason. There's a reason. So let's acknowledge the fact that yes. the boss might be dealing with something. The boss might be dealing uh, with the suffering. The methodology I was telling people is that do, during this time of a crisis and, and uncertainty, you have to assume everyone you see is going through something. Well, yeah. So you have to have that compassion in your heart, in your soul, that approach people with a gentle and a tenderness. You know, because that way, you will de-escalate yeah. them. You know, you will decolonize them from a negative thoughts or violence. What's the response? What kind of response are you getting from from the from these teachings that you're having with them? With um, very well. Yeah. Uh, people are being very, you know, uh, responsive yeah. about the idea because, I mean, you got affected by COVID. I got affected by COVID. Our our suffering might not be the same, but, but we went through some uh, fear. Yeah. Genuine fear. Yeah. You know, and um, since then, but we not even near for me recovering from it and we have not yet grieved. Wow. You know, but the grieving process they have not even started yet. Because we're still in it. Yeah. Actively. You know? Yeah. hmm Do you find it that uh, the people need to be vulnerable enough to allow themselves to speak on that on that level of yes, I'm dealing with yes, I'm hurting yes, yes I'm suffering because mm-hmm. that's not easy. No, so there, there's no. You, that's you're putting that into consideration how to kind of break down those walls and and yes. get people to yeah to open up because that that's what I was trying to allude to earlier when you get into these mm. companies with people running businesses, some of them may be very focused on. Uh, we got to rock and roll. This is a business, you know, yeah. I don't have time to discuss my feelings. Do you, yeah. ever, do you ever encounter things yeah. like that? Um, but we see that, but, uh, and a lot of times people are focusing on that, but they forget the human aspect, yeah. but they deal with not the human. So, but you stress yourself so badly and there's something happened to you, but you die, for example, from a stress. Sure. You will be replaced. Yeah. And the company will go on. Yeah. You know, so it's very important to take care of yourself first before taking care of a company or taking care of uh, other people. You, the dominant variable, must be okay, strong enough to confront 
the task the company is putting in front of you and also to build a peaceful environment around you. Yeah. I, I applaud you for that. I'm, I'm glad we're talking about that because I, I had a general idea the first time, but I didn't realize the levels that you're going through, mm. the levels that you're approaching mm. uh, uh, and, 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 and addressing. The, the grind never stops with Micaiah. He, he's constantly working. Um, and I think that's one of the things that, that drew me to him was his undeniable passion for what's right. Um, even taking it as far as saying, you know, the, the, the immigration policy, there wasn't really anything wrong with it. It was more so the people that were put in charge to run it. They were just not working within the scope of what was supposed to be done. These people had broken souls their souls weren't right that's you know that's how he worded it so he's a very genuine person with his with his uh, um intent if you will and um what he's doing now he wants to help businesses that are uh, avoiding conflict or trying to find resolutions with people and their employers or another example is teachers and students this dynamic uh, that the students that are coming, um, you know, refugee students that are uh, coming and not knowing the the customs of the United States, the language, the the mannerisms. There's a lot of things that stand out differently uh, to people that are escaping. Um, They're seeking asylum. Forgive me. They, they, they grew up with um, war and harsh times and a lot of violence, if you will. There's a lot of things that need to go into consideration when you have students and teachers from different worlds. And he's introducing, a, you know, a, a business, a company that can help mediate that and break barriers, break the ice um, to put that much thought into it. It only shows where his passion and, and consideration is. It's still there you know in the trenches if you will even though there the, the levels of success that he's experiencing his mind is still where it was when he was 16 in a way you know and that may be a, a gift and a curse but i think how he's handling it shows you the maturity and the kind of person and character that he has and in the kind of man that he is uh so makai ravel uh the second half of this interview coming at you right now i hope you're enjoying it peace um and this venture this business venture is it's challenging uh, you alluded to yeah um, when it comes to the experience of um hitting the roadblock hitting the speed bumps yep in life and and, and business how are you like what's makai ravel doing to keep his focus to maintain a positive outlook uh, you're very positive and i've gotten that from you mm. but i'm sure there are times where you're just you get furious and yes. maybe frustrated yeah how do you how do you handle that um uh, you know i do embrace life okay um yeah you know but the buddha teaches life is suffering and i'm okay with that um life without suffering is not worth living Mm. Um, not everything's gonna be a 
kind of perfect or you know kind of easy yeah but you know sometimes you know obstacles can be the best thing that can happen to you because it will teach you something that you didn't know it will teach you a new way to approach uh, for your business you know or methodology or how to run things in your life but going back to you as a variable uh call it a dominant variable you you have to be strong to overcome the obstacles and but that comes with the discipline and consistency mm. um for me um i i do a lot of meditation okay um i fast a lot and i uh, read a lot um when things are not going well for me, first I have to identify the problem, and then uh, I go work on it uh, in the private. Uh, I will disappear for maybe five days, uh, one week, just uh, dealing with the, the particular obstacles. Sure. Sometimes I go out of state. Okay, so you're traveling, you're leaving. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I have to leave the area. Okay. Uh, for a stay in a hotel for three days, maybe. Gotcha. And they just lock myself in and they're kind of imagining, meditating a new way to confront the obstacles. You find that leaving the area helps you yes. refocus? Yes. I've never thought of that. Yeah. I'm going to have to probably try that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to take my wife with me, but that's probably me. No, I'm just joking. But, uh, but uh, so that makes sense because I often say, uh, um, I use the, f- the phrase, when you're too close to something, you can't see the trees from the forest. So sometimes you have to take a step back. Mm to to see the the bigger picture i like that and when you're too close you can't see it yeah um and so i kind of equate that to what you just said is yeah when you're in it you you kind of just want to be like you know what let me remove myself from a little Mm. for a little bit yeah to regain my focus to regain the focus you know kind of uh to re you know energize yeah your energy must be working 24-7. Yeah. But you have to find a way to control it. Do you believe you in know? Do you believe in the, the use of energy, the presence of energy? Yes. That's awesome because yeah. I'm a huge believer in that. Yes. Yeah. You know. Negative and positive. I try to stay away from, mm-hmm. if I feel something's not right, I don't question it. I leave. Yeah. If yeah. I feel something's really good, I don't question it. I just try to get more of it. If that makes any sense to you? So yes, the yeah. vibes that I get from yeah. people, and yeah, yeah. I mean, but we are energy being in yeah. some sense, you know. Um, you know, when you see somebody, you know, but you feel certain way, whether it's positive or negative, like you can have a sense like, oh, wow, this person make me feel so certain ways. Yeah, let me get to know them, or yeah. let me, you know, be close to them. But in some, in the flip side. You can meet somebody you're like oh, I gotta stay away from this person. Yeah, and it's right away too. I, uh, it's right away. Within five minutes, I've gotten feelings where I'm like, nah. I don't even want to enter. I'll entertain for the party because I'm at this party. Yeah. But once we leave, I never want to see said individual again. Yep. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I, I um, I feel like the best thing that people can do is uh, is to trust their gut. Mm. Uh, 
And I've been, I've known that since I was a teenager. I, I just didn't realize what it was until I got older and I really started learning and studying and listening to people. And it was like that yeah. gut feeling is something's that guts telling you something yes. that energy is resonating with your body a certain way. Yeah. And I've gotten them both ways. I've, I've been out and I've gotten this feeling like something is not right here. We need to go. And within five minutes, a fight breaks out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's like, we got to go because I'm, I should have listened to my gut. And then there's yeah. times where you like, you're right. You meet somebody you just can't explain it. The vibe's great. You're enjoying the company. You're mm -hmm. enjoying the conversation. Yeah. Um, you're next thing you know, you you're, you're sharing information that's beneficial yes. to your life. Yeah. Um, and that's how you grow, and that's how you learn. Uh, and I feel yeah. like that's the best thing that you could do is just open yourself up for education. Yes. You know, kind of listen to your subconscious. Yeah. 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 Um. One of the things that we talked about uh, towards the end of our conversation last time was, what are your plans in the future? Um, mm. And and I remember you roughly uh, mentioned, uh, not roughly, forgive me, um, briefly mentioning, mm. you know, the the fight for uh, the asylum, mm. and now that you've made it there, mm. and 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 you've been granted the asylum. Where are you at now? What's the goal here? Are we still focusing on, are you gonna open more businesses? Are mm. you, is there any more, is there any plans to broaden the foundation? Mm. Um, like, can you, anything you wanna yeah. like to share? Um, I think uh, uh, the discipline continue on. Um, asylum was uh, something that I fought for for 20 years. Yeah. but. In that 20 years in the United States, me living here, I wasn't sitting around. I was going to school. I uh, created a foundation. I was, you know, uh, you know, speaking up uh, against, you know, government atrocity, when it, uh, whether it's Congo or the United States. Um, um, I was... Uh, uh, I was busy, generally speaking. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of distract distract me a little bit okay. from uh, the fear of uh, deportation. Gotcha. So I wasn't thinking about it, even though I was in a deportation order yeah. for twenty years. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about that because I was living my life. You know, I was showing up. Yeah, to my life every single day. I was doing things. And many thanks to um, Aldea, the people's justice, the law firm that's operating, you know, to protect immigrant asylum seekers where they're based in Reading, Pennsylvania, um, uh, led by, uh, you know, my attorney, uh, Bridget Cambria and the Jackie. So um, they did a wonderful job, yeah. you know, getting me through this asylum uh, um, dilemma that um, I was in. But the future plan is uh, the foundation, the Mary Mamakai Foundation. Um, we, we, you know, we're always looking to expand. Sure. You know, uh, since our existence um, in 2012, we have assisted over 7,000 orphan children in the oh, Congo. That's beautiful. So, man. 
our hope now is to work with the government to allow the street children, the orphan children who are living in the streets, to be enrolled in a public education uh, system, um, gotcha. creating a food program for them, um, uh, creating a, giving them a path to yeah. go to perhaps a vocation, you know, schools, uh, go to trade schools. Uh, because when you are often in a Congo, I mean, you know, you know, your chance of succeeding in life is kind of slim, mm. you know, because being an orphan to you have a huge handicap in your hands. Yeah. You know, because people will stay away from you. Uh, the institution that's kind of involved with the, you know, human, you know, needs uh, will overlook your case. You know, so this is very common in Africa in general, but you know, this case we're focusing in Congo for now. So, but we're looking to expand, we get into, you know, human needs yeah. in the Congo through the Mary Mamakaya Foundation. That's the goal. Uh, personally, um, we will continue also to work on the um, uh, Peace Promise Consulting um, yeah. idea. Uh, but we made a, uh, uh, we became a members with the, one of uh, the organization in Washington D.C. Alliance uh, for Peace Building, okay. and uh, we uh, be invited. We will be invited by them through the organization. So we were creating a lot of, uh, uh, we're going to be creating a lot of uh, a partnership. Okay. Um, a lot of networking. A lot of networking alliance because we are also international sure. business. So uh, that's where my focus is for now. Uh, personally, winning asylum after 20 years is like a dog who caught the car. Uh-huh. And uh, you don't you, know what to do with right, it. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I was kind of thinking is it's it's, it's almost like, okay, it's, it's, it's business as usual. You're still... Yeah. Yeah. You're still back at it and, and nothing has changed. But yeah, um, yeah, the dog has caught the car. Now what? No, uh, what? But, but I'm, I, have you had time to really mm. genuflect and, and look back at uh, like, damn, I, I've been this is what I was fighting for. Yeah. I'm here now. Even though you were keeping yourself busy, mm -hmm. you were working, mm -hmm. you weren't really focused on the possibility of deportation. Was mm -hmm. that still a weight off of your shoulders after the asylum victory? Um, personally, no. 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 Um, I feel like uh, even if I want asylum, I feel like um, I'm still there in a limbo. Um, I got you. Even though so many great things has happened, but the Burst County detention got closed uh, recently, I think last month, uh, but they closed that for good. So it's no longer existence, which is a victory. Absolutely. Uh, to us yeah. and to me personally, because I was there. Uh, Bridget's going to help but to get a place closed as well. But um, I'm not satisfied. Okay. Uh, be because I know there are people currently are uh, in my position. Mm. You know, I am who I am today. Like uh, I think uh, in our previous conversation, I alluded this that you know my story is not unique. Yes, you did. Uh, there are millions of people going through uh, what I went through, 
in private, the difference between them and me is those around me. Mm. You know, uh, my family, my friends have given a privilege to be sitting here in your beautiful home. Thank you, yeah. And they're talking to you about these issues. So many people don't have this privilege to speak up. Yeah. Because but they're still living in the shadow. And I think, so, I think the be- I'm sorry, forgive me, I don't, no. mean, I don't mean to step on your toes there. No, go ahead. I yeah. just wanted to say that the beautiful part of that is that going back to what I said earlier is that you acknowledge that. Yes. That yeah. you could have very well lived a different life. You could have gotten your education and then yeah. lived your life. And move on. And and yeah. really, okay, that, that, that nobody could really hold you to that, but or hold you hold that against you rather, but you you are consistently keeping yourself grounded and where you were and fighting the fight, so to speak. Yeah. Um you said that you still feel like you're still there or that you're not satisfied. Is that the does the trauma play a role in that for you? The trauma that you've experienced, does that consistently the the little triggers that you that you have experienced that you have, they keep you somewhat connected to to the fight in, in a way where you just can't flippantly forget about it. It's yes. always gonna be there for you. Yes. Uh, but the trauma's there, you know, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but the trauma is there because I know somebody's going through what I went through. Gotcha. I know somebody will never get a chance that. I mean, of course, you know, I don't want to be, you know, naive by thinking that we can help everybody in the world. But we can change our immigration laws, immigration policies that will humanize people. Gotcha. gotcha. You know, that's a. That's the fight. Find, yeah. find a way to humanize people. So, or stop with the backlog. You know, move a process forward. Yeah. You know, simple as that. Yeah. You don't want anybody to come to your country or but to live in a country. Find a way to give them solution or yeah. give them news. Treat them as a human being. You know, in this detention for we seeing from a you know, Florida, te- Texas, but they're shipping, uh, yeah. you know, people away from a, you know, from a their states and a different states. It's almost like a human trafficking yeah. going on here. Yeah, it's you funny know, how that's uh, it's kind of in front of us. Yeah, you know, and we're so busy fighting our own trauma, our own family problems, and we kind of overlooked or even forget about that. But human beings are being abused in one of the greatest country in the world, the United States. I think one of the things that's frustrating for me is when I see that stuff on the news, it's, you can easily, the everyday person in this country, because of the media and the news, Mm. can easily be swept away with the mentality and the judgment of oh those people are from another country they shouldn't even be here those people are from the, mm. instead of looking at the human aspect yes. of it and it's it's really frustrating because there's a lot of people that do not have the tools 
mentally to really equip themselves to think about the human element. They're just so far gone in their in their I agree. bias and their hatred. And, and yeah, and there's times yeah. where I've had conversations yeah. and I'm like, we're never gonna get anywhere because you you genuinely aren't looking at these people as people. Mm. They're human beings. Yeah. Like we can talk about politics, but at one point can yeah. we just sit here and go we're to- you're you're moving people across the country like cargo, like cargo, absolutely. Yeah, and and when I saw that, I was like, illegally. This is how do you do that? And 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 say, well, yeah, that's 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 they shouldn't be here. Like sometimes yeah. I get, I it's hard, um, and I I feel like because I genuinely am concerned about the human element, yeah, and in, in this not just this country but in the world, yeah. It's yeah. almost like, can we just have yeah. a, a conversation, which is what really sparked my podcast was like getting to know people. Yes. Because there is, there's a story and there's, there's a little child in all of us. And the reason why I say mm-hmm. this is because children are so innocent and you yeah. know this with your, with your foundation yeah. to, to, to quickly swoop in into a child's life and nurture and save them. Yeah. You can salvage their thought process, their emotional intelligence. Yes. If they're young, because mm-hmm. once they grow cold and old, it's, it's harder and it's harder. And there's a lot of people that I work with or that I converse with on social media mm. or that I see on the news. They're just so, they're just so far gone in negative thinking. Yeah. It's like, whatever happened to just saying like, Yo, we're talking about a human being. Yes. Yeah, and those who are coming against uh, immigrants, we call them undercover immigrants themselves, because even though they're against the immigrants, but if you look back in their history, they are descendants of immigrants. Sure. You know, except with the African-American, you know, with the slavery trade or Native American, sure. but with the rest of us, yeah, you know, but nobody um, ever wants to really think of no, on that level. You know what I mean? Nobody wants acknowledge that, and when they create the avatars around the issue, oh no, the immigration was a different. When they came illegally, I mean, you know, legally, yes, it also depends what country you're coming from. Yeah, what country your ancestry came from. Gotcha. So that's also very important. And today's immigration issue. Our lawmakers are benefiting from the the the, the, the hatred, but they're portraying against uh, immigrants. I mean, you know, um, you know, um, saying that, you know, I'm gonna build a wall. You know, he got somebody elected. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, it's not. But the message wasn't. You know, I'm gonna. You know, create the jobs. I'm gonna, you know, help with the mental illness. I'm gonna, you know, you know, make sure we have a sustainable healthcare system. No, but the message was I'm gonna build the wall. Sure. And for they got elected. Yep. So that's what we're fighting, but we're dealing with, you know, how can we, you know, decolonize people's mind, the thought process, but to see immigrant as a people, seeing a refugee, those who fleeing a violence. I mean, empathy, right? Yeah. I mean, if you do, you put yourself in their shoes, Yeah. what would you do when your family's been massacred? 
Yeah. What would you do? The work that you're doing and, and the, the focus that you have dealing with immigrants, just generalizing briefly, you're, you're working and dealing with immigrants. What, what, what are the possibilities or is it possible? I'm sure it is. Have you been dealing with the flip side of people Mm. Uh, condoning it or fighting against it or making comments. I mean, you, mm. I see how beautifully you interact with people online and how you, uh, excuse me, how you, mm. uh, how you can diffuse yes. um, some conversations because yeah. some people have opinions that mm. aren't coinciding with the work that you're doing. Have you, do you find it easy to navigate those waters or do you have, do you have moments where things get kind of hectic for you? Yeah, I, I think but the most powerful tool is the truth. Okay, yeah. And um, don't bring everything or put everything in one, you know, basket. Uh, there are so many different classes when it comes to immigration, but we have uh, uh, refugees. Uh, when you explain to people, what refugee is, they're more likely to understand and agree. Okay. Um, I deal with a lot of religious folks, um, political minded, yeah. cultural minded people. Um, you have to talk to people from a language they know and from a um, um, arena where they understand. Gotcha. Uh, religiously, you know, but arguably, uh, Jesus was a refugee. Yeah. Uh, Moses was refugees. Even Prophet Muhammad, you know, was a refugee. So when you explain to people why they left the homeland and compare that to the refugees today, you know, classical example is the Ukrainian children. You see what's going on in Ukraine, yeah. And you, you find Ukraine in your, Ukrainian in your neighborhood. What would you do? Yeah, knowing what's going on in Ukraine, Afghanistan, Syria, Congo. Yeah. You see, Venezuela. What would you do? Yeah. So breaking down the conversation in a humanistic, uh, humanistic level, like where they understand the human needs with the compassion, empathy, yeah. people have a tendency to understand. Do you find yourself having empathy for people that do not have empathy? Like, you understand what I'm saying? Like yes. When you're dealing with that, you're obviously being empathetic towards them mm. so that you can at least reach them. Then yes, that's that helps break down that metaphorical wall. I, I would, I would. Think. Yes, because even those who commit a crime, uh, for the violence people, uh, we were born violence. You know, everything you know, somebody told you that. Yeah. Same goes to me, to everybody. But life experience, true education. We unlearn violence. Mm. We all have our unconscious bias. Mm. You know, there are right. certain people I favored. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> sure. <laughs> and there are certain people uh, I dislike. Yeah. 
That's you the know? human element. That's that's, that's life. a human element. There are people are new longer than you. Mm. You know, so um, we have that capability to unlearn racism, uh, violence. Uh, Doctor Cornell West uh, called it. Um, you must have uh, the ability to die. Uh, he's not talking about physical death, but he's talking about, kinda, you know, every morning you ask yourself, did I die today? Mm. You know, by sense that I have a comfort with that person. Let me go talk to them. Let me forgive them. That's kind of form of death he was talking about. Wow. You know, kind of deep and radical yeah. forgiveness. Yeah. Wow, that's such a really beautiful way to 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 say it, really, that I died today. Yeah. Um, because it makes sense now when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. killing those things, the negative yeah. energy, those things are holding you back. You know, but the anger that's kind of letting you go because, but when, uh, you know, but when but you don't wear certain shoes be because it doesn't fit you anymore, you love it, but you have to let it go. But that shoes has to die. Yeah, got you. Yeah, I love it, man. This is a great conversation. Thank you very much, man. Absolutely. Are we, are we going to be seeing any more uh, Life with Mom? Is that going to continue? Life with Mom will continue, yeah. Maybe put that on YouTube or something so we can see yeah. videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is your, does your mom, uh, is she is she okay with the, the sharing of the jokes and laughs in, uh, of your life? Is she into social media or not? Like, how yeah. does that work? Oh, mom's into social media. Sometimes, sometimes she'll call me and <laughs> say, my God, yeah! Why'd you do oh, she did. that? <laughs> <laughs> that was personal, <laughs> you know. But you know, for being a public, you know, figure as a she is as well, yeah. And it is important, but to show people a little bit of uh, how she live in life for the sake of education. Sure. Yeah, I think that's cool that she she gets it and she's yes. she allows you to to live your life the way you're living it and instead of being uh instead of pushing against it she embraces it i think mm. that's i think that's awesome she's a very lovely woman uh, she was very gracious enough to let us over and we walked in yeah. at your home uh, this past summer like i mentioned earlier uh lovely woman i had a I had a great time then i'm having a great time now before mm. i let you go there's one thing i wanted to talk about okay and i've seen it Brought up a couple times also mm. on social media. Mm. Talk to me about the brown shoes, man. The brown shoes. What's the story <laughs> with the brown shoes? Is that like your style? Is that is that an inside joke? Talk, what, what is it? Is it is, am I reading into it? Because I see people oh. always comment about your brown shoes. Um, brown shoes. Um, it's a love story. <laughs> <laughs> brown shoes, a love story. Um. Um, it's a dedicated. I okay. cannot mention name. Okay, but it is dedicated to somebody who intru- who introduced you and I. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So it's 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 it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a little story. it's a little something dedicated to that person. Yes. Got you. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. But that means that I never truly let her go. Gotcha. So for the branches, 
is a message to her. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna now keep that in my in my mental <laughs> roller deck. Um, I I just I I I I had to mention it because I've seen people. <laughs> Every time you post a picture, like there's the brown shoes, yeah. and I'm like, what's the deal with the brown shoes? No, but I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Listen, I, I think yeah. one of the best things uh, that I appreciate about you is uh, your vulnerability, but also just being uh, willing and, and open to discuss any and everything and having a mm. great outlook on life. Absolutely. Um, and, and that was one of the things that I got from the first time, but I'm really glad that we, we've got to meet again and talk mm. in person now. Yeah. Um, because it, there's so much more to your story, not just the stuff that is sad, but there's so much joy and love and energy positive. Um, yes. And uh, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Mm. And uh, like I said before, and I'll say it again, I look forward to watching you uh, grow and seeing what else you do with your businesses. Um, yes. Good luck to you, my friend. I appreciate meeting you again. Uh, thank you so much. And I owe your daughter something. I mean, come to ship sharing, bring a family again this year. <laughs> uh, I'll send you an invitation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I think we'll be there. So yeah. I, you don't have to worry about yeah. that. And I don't know, you know, can I say something about my uncle uh, uh, Patrick, but who live in California? Okay, he's uh, writing a book about um, my uh, for the life story, the everything we discuss about for the book is being written. Got you. Yeah. So you've got so, a book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the book is uh, it's been written about. You will know that when it's ready. Okay, yeah, I would ready. love to. Yeah. You, you let me know and I will share it. I will plug it for you. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is episode 56 with Micaiah Ravel. I hope you enjoyed it. Micaiah, thank you so much for once again joining me on the Journeyman Chronicles. I'm looking forward to doing a lot of these um, Zoom interviews once again, but in person. So look forward to that. This is the first time I did that, and Micaiah was on board. It worked out so well. Thank you very much, Micaiah Ravel, for all that you're doing. Keep doing it. It's an honor for people like me to share it. And I hope uh, if there's anything I can do to help, you'll reach out. Uh, next week, I'm talking to my man, LaRock Hudson. And if you know LaRock, you know my man pulls no punches when it comes to equity and the inclusion of black and brown people. So we have a lot to discuss next week's episode 57, LaRock Hudson. Don't miss out on that. Until then, please remember to take care of yourself, love yourself, and always remember to maintain focus and stay continuous through all four seasons. My name is Felix C. Arroyo, and these are the Journeyman Chronicles. Y'all be safe. Thank you.